Good morning. God is good. So all the time. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So I was thinking as we were singing that song uh, before about it's not about us, it's about you, Jesus. And as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, we're, we're flipping the script, the message about what, where success and fulfillment and blessing comes from. And uh, we, if you've noticed, we live in a very consumeristic culture, right? And consumerism is not all bad. There's a, there's a place for it. But we have to be careful when we come to God and our relationship with God and our relationship in the church because uh, we aren't consumers when it comes to God. In fact, the Bible tells us just the opposite, that He is the consuming fire and that we are called to be living sacrifices before God. And so it's, it's our lives that are consumed by Him. And that's a, that's a very different way of thinking. It's a very different, very different way of approaching God. And the, the beauty of it is instead of harming us, it, it fulfills us. <laughs> it gives us life. It, it makes everything right. And so it, it's a beautiful thing to think about. And I was, I was thinking about that this week. And that song just is a beautiful song of declaration that uh, we choose him. And it's not about us. It's about him. Would you join me in praying this morning? I know, Lord, uh, many here uh, have burdens, things going on in their lives. There's uh, pressures. There's um, just struggles that all of us have. But we come here, we choose you, God, and we rest this morning in you and our desires to worship you, to glorify you, to offer our lives to you. And so, God, I just pray that in your faithfulness, in your goodness, that you would speak to us, that you would change those things in our lives that need changing, that you would encourage those things that need encouragement, that you would correct those things that need correction, and that, God, you would, you would bring about uh, the beauty that you bring from ashes this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, we're coming up to uh, another transition in the sermon. Now remember, this is one message. Uh, we are going through slowly and verse by verse, but, but Jesus gave this on one occasion, and he has one overall message that he wants us to hear. And it's a message about blessing. <laughs> I, I love this, that Jesus did not come to condemn us. He has no interest in harming you or me or anyone. His interest is to bring salvation, to bring life, to bring fulfillment, to bring satisfaction. And so that's his message. It's all about blessing. And so he begins this sermon by declaring blessing. But he also uh, knows our human condition. He knows the struggles, the things that are in our lives that, that need changing that need correction, that need transformation. And so this is a sermon about transformation. Uh, God loves us too much to leave us the same. <laughs> he knows the broken condition of our sinfulness. And so he wants to address the heart issues of what it means to be human. And, and, and he doesn't let any of us escape that because all of us can feel pretty good if we just look at the surface of things where he says, uh, you know, about murder and about adultery and about um, all those things. We could say, well, I've never done that. And so we can feel good about ourselves. But then Jesus goes deeper into our hearts, right? And he says, what about anger? <laughs> what about lust? What about your words? What about your relationships? Is there conflict? And so none of us can get out from under that, right? All of us, as we look at our own hearts, our own lives, realize, whoa, there's things in me that are causing hurt and harm in my own life and others. And so Jesus loves us enough to address 
those hard things, those difficult things of the heart, because that's what he cares about. He doesn't care about our performance. He cares about who we are. <laughs> and the Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to the transformation of our being, of our being, of who we are. And so that's what God loves, and that's what he's after in us. And so would you stand with me as we continue in chapter 6 of verse 1, and we stand in respect of the word of God. We believe God has revealed himself, has spoken to us, so we stand in respect to what he says to us this morning. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. You may be seated. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us in chapter 5 that our greatest purpose, what we were made for, uh, is to be salt and light. That God has made us in his image with powerful uh, being to bring about love and goodness. That it's through our good deeds that we ultimately bring glory to our Father. And so our greatest purpose is to love others and to love God and bring glory to Him in that love. And so the root issue for our hearts is one of love. And so Jesus, as He begins to transition away from uh, dealing with those, those uh, difficult heart issues in each of us, He moves towards now what, what, do we, what are we to be about as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And so he talks about our righteousness, meaning our righteousness is not external. It's not like that of the Pharisees. This is the righteousness that comes from God. This is not about performance or effort. It's about what God wants to produce in us. So he begins to ex examine and look at this. And what he begins with is he says, be careful. Be careful. Now, he's not talking about being cautious, but he's saying, pay attention. <laughs> this is important. We need to understand what he wants to say to us here. He's actually saying, apply yourself. So by saying, be careful, he's saying, apply your thinking and your life in this direction. So he's inviting us to apply our thinking, our lives, our hearts in a new direction. Okay? So he's inviting us to that. And so these words, practice, are really key. In fact, he introduced the word practice earlier in chapter 5 when he was talking about uh, practicing righteousness. And he says, you know, don't be like the Pharisees. But he says, the righteousness of the kingdom is greater. And he says, whoever practices and teaches these things will be called great in the kingdom of God. And so he's inviting us to a kind of life. Now, I love that word practice because he's not saying do it perfectly. He's not saying do it right all the time, but he's inviting us to expend and think about our lives in a certain kind of way. I believe what he's ultimately talking about here is worship. I think he's talking about our worship because he's, I think, ultimately talking about our hearts and what we love. Now, my wife, uh, I met in Chicago at school, at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and, uh, and I, I met her pretty soon after we 
got on campus and I fell in love with her and I, I, I knew really soon after I met her that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. So I began to pursue her. <laughs> I began to uh, want to spend time with her. And by the way, I, we just celebrated 16 years of marriage last Friday. I'm so amazed by God. So thank you. I'm so blessed that God has created marriage and I could not uh, ever deserve her but God has been gracious to me. But I would pursue her in that time, but she was a piano major. And so that was a part of the campus I was not familiar with because I'm not a musician. <laughs> but I became familiar with that part of the campus because she would spend hours and hours practicing the piano. And I would inevitably end up in the piano studio area because I wanted to be with her. <laughs> so I was practicing uh, pursuing her. So I was writing notes, I was giving her gifts, I was, I was doing everything I could to express my interest and my love and my desire for her. And she was dedicated to the piano because <laughs> she loved music and she would practice and practice, right? And she would discipline herself, but she disciplined herself to piano because she loved it. I praise God that eventually she grew to love me as well. <laughs> I was thankful for that. But here's the point. We practice what we love. We practice what we love. Now, some of you here are athletes. Some of you are artists. Some of you do things that you really enjoy, that you love. But you don't just show up on the field or show up in the performing arts center and just do it. You spend hours disciplined, practicing, developing those things in your life. Right? And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about developing our heart and our love and ultimately what we treasure. In verse 21 of chapter 6, Jesus gets to the very point of what he's driving at. He says, where our treasure is, that is where our heart is. You see, we, we love what we treasure. That's, that's who we are as people. We love what we treasure. And this is what Jesus is addressing. He wants us to know what it means to be fully human, to experience life and be fulfilled and satisfied, to experience the success of all that God created for us to be. And so he has to get to the very crux and heart of who we are as people. And who we are is we're beings who love. We are people who need love and we give love. And so our treasure is so important because it shows who we are. And so Jesus, as he's talking about this, he's addressing one issue, which is giving, which is, uh, can be a hard subject for us because our money <laughs> is important to us. In fact, Jesus kind of points out later in the sermon that our money can really re re reveal where our treasure is. So that's what he's beginning to talk about. Now here's my question. Why is it painful for us to give sometimes? And, I, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. I feel pain sometimes in giving. Why? Because I think it reveals the treasures of our hearts. And so Jesus loves us enough to address this issue in our lives. Jesus told a, a parable of a man who was out in a field. And um, I think about this because when I go hiking with my kids, they're always looking for gold, right? <laughs> they, they think, hey, there's gold here somewhere. So every shiny rock has got to be gold, right? And so uh, this man, Jesus says, is out in the field and he's walking. And I don't, it doesn't say he's looking for a treasure, but he finds a treasure in the field. And it's 
so amazing, worth so much that he, he buries it and he goes and he sells all of his possessions. Everything he has, he, he sells and he, and he buys that field because that's the greatest treasure. And then Jesus said, there was another man who was a, a merchant and he was looking at pearls and he found a pearl of great price, of immeasurable value. And so he sold everything he had. He gave everything up. And, and the Bible says in his joy, and this talks about the field, the joy of, 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 of having that treasure. Everything else paled in comparison. And I think this is what Jesus is ultimately after. This isn't ultimately after, about money. It's about our hearts. What do we treasure? What do we love? I remember, uh, well, let me, this week uh, we were in staff and we were sharing stories and, and someone on our, 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 our team, staff team, uh, shared a cool story out of this past week where he and his wife were driving here in town in uh, Rapid City and they saw a man who had a big backpack and he was lugging uh, some luggage and uh, was struggling. So they stopped. Well, at first he said, he, he just drove by, but his wife said, hey, we need to go <laughs> help that guy. <laughs> and so uh, they came and they stopped and they found out this guy's car had broken down and he was struggling and he was trying to get to Spearfish. And so they weren't planning on going to Spearfish, but they dropped everything and they drove this guy all the way to Spearfish. And I thought, wow, that is, that's cool. That's amazing. That's what, what God once. And it reminded me of another story uh, that I experienced in Chicago. Uh, my roommate came to me one day and he said, said, Ben, I think I need to go give food to homeless people. And he said, uh, would you be willing to come with me? I said, well, sure, let's, let's, uh, let's go. And so uh, we didn't have a lot of money, but we got as much money as we had and we bought as much food as we could carry. And there's a street called Lower Wacker Drive. And so it kind of goes underneath another street. And uh, we knew some homeless people hung out down there, but when we got there, we were a little surprised how many, as almost as far as you could see down the road, there were cardboard boxes and people camped out under this place. And so uh, we looked at the little food we had and the amount of people and we said, uh-oh. <laughs> but we showed up and we gave away all our food and, um, and a guy walked up just as we had given away our la last box. And he was having a tough day. He was, he was in rough shape. He said, I'm hungry. I'm angry. And he said, why don't you have any more food? And we said, I'm sorry. We, we don't have any money. We gave away everything we had. And so, and so we said, all we can do is pray for you. And he said, I don't want your prayer. <laughs> I'm hungry. Uh, no one cares about me. God doesn't care about me. No one. And so he was just, he was in a bad, bad place. And so um, we just said, hey, man, we're, we're going to pray because we believe God could do miracles that that he's going to provide for you somehow. And we don't know how, but all we can do is ask. And so we began to pray with this guy. And, uh, and as we're praying, we, we heard a little bit of commotion. We weren't sure, but a, a, a minivan backed up to us within maybe, within five feet of us, a minivan had backed up. And so we finished praying. I looked up. I kind of glanced at the car. I didn't think of it. And I looked at this guy's face, and he was looking at this car, and the back door just slowly opened. It was like an automatic door. And, and I watched his face and his eyes got bigger and bigger and his expression turned from anger to wonder. And the back of this van was packed with food. It was, it was full to the brim, all the way up to the top, to the front of that van was just packed with food. And he looked at us and he says, God answered our prayer. He said, he's real, he's alive. And he began to run. He forgot about 
eating, and he began to run down that street as fast as he could, yelling at the top of his voice, God is alive. He's real. He answers prayer. <laughs> and he was just yelling this at the top of his line. He was getting everyone to come. Come listen to these guys. Come hear what they have to say. <laughs> and we were like, whoa. <laughs> we weren't expecting that to happen. And what was so cool is later as we were walking home, we were just, we were just worshiping God. We were just praising him, saying, God, you're amazing. How did, how did that happen? But what struck me was this van, um, there were two African man, men who jumped out of that van and they were part of a church and they just regularly go out and they just feed people. And I, what struck me is, you know what, these guys aren't getting any attention for this. No one knows about this. There's no radio program. There's no platform that's celebrating what these guys are doing. They're not in the front page of the news. But these guys are just generously giving and loving on people. And that, that made an impression on me. Jesus is a genius. We think of him, and he is rightly our Lord. He's God. He's over all things. But if we think about him just in, in, in his humanity, he's a genius. And we, we have many great people that we celebrate, philosophers, psychologists, different people who, who throughout human history who have who've grappled with the human condition. But, but no one, I believe, is as profound or as insightful or as genius as Jesus when he talks about the human heart and who we are and what motivates us. He knows us best because we believe he made us. But if we really consider what Jesus is, is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's amazing. It's incredible. Because he doesn't address behavior from an external point of view. He addresses who we are at the core at, of our love and our desire and how is love developed in our lives. He's, he's talking about the transformation of the human being. And I want you to notice, you know, in verse 2 he says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you they have re received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I don't think he's just talking about not letting anyone know, although there's an aspect of that. I think what he's really after here, what he's really talking about is the why and the how of giving. Because that's what matters to him. He, he, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need our money. But he cares about our hearts. And so he wants to address the how and the why. Because he's talking about two kinds of givers here. Two ways of giving. And one way, which he calls the hypocrite, which literally means actor. So this is an actor. This is someone who does something, but it's not truly who they are, right? It doesn't reflect who they are. So we all know about actors, right? They, they, they perform amazingly, but we don't know who they really are. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. People who give in a way that's all about performance. That is grabbing the attention of others. Now, Jesus says, this kind of giving, there is a reward. And remember, God's intention is to bless us. And he's saying, you know, there is some reward out of this. You get some recognition. You get some attention. You get some applause. But he's saying, that's it. <laughs> that's it. And I know from my own life, and because I've struggled with this, when I... And we feel good about this when we get attention, when we get accolades or things, people saying good things about us. We feel good for a while, but I know that that doesn't ultimately satisfy because I, I've tried it. 
I know it doesn't satisfy my heart. And I know that that's very temporary because our attention is fickle. Our attention is fickle as people. So we can gain people's attention for a while, but then people forget and their applause can turn against you, right? We've all experienced that. We've seen that in the news where someone's celebrated and all of a sudden they're brought down. And so Jesus is saying, there is a reward here. There's a temporary, hey, this feels good, but it doesn't last. This doesn't ultimately fulfill us and satisfy us. In fact, I found that it's, it's an empty, empty thing if you pursue this. There's no life in that. And so Jesus, because he loves us, is warning us that if you give for the intention or the motivation just to get recognized, he says, that's not really going to bless you. That's not really going to satisfy you. And so who does bless us? Who does satisfy us? Who is the ultimate treasure? And I think this is the point of the Sermon on the Mount, is that Jesus himself, God himself, the Father, he is the one who gives us identity. He's the one that gives us meaning. He gives us purpose. He gives us life. He gives us fulfillment. And so because he loves us, he digs into the intentions and the motivations of our heart. So there's two ways to give. There's performance giving, when we give only when people are watching, and just enough not to feel guilty, and it doesn't really reflect our love and our desire for God or for others. And that's what Jesus is warning us against here, right? And, and none of us should, should say, hey, uh, we don't struggle with this, because I think we all do. I, I know I do. And so that's one way, but then Jesus is inviting us to another way, which is the way of the righteousness, and this is what he's inviting us to practice. This is what he's inviting us to desire, is worship giving. Because this is a worship issue. It ultimately has to do with what we treasure, what our hearts most desire. Worship giving comes out of love. Love for God and love for others. We give because it's who we are. It's who we are as God's children, as sons and daughters of our Father, who is the most generous God of all. In fact, in the earlier passage, it says he sends rain on everyone. <laughs> he provides for everyone. Whether they're evil or good or whatever they've done, God pours out goodness, provision, grace on all people. And so he's inviting us to be that kind of person. It's who we are. We don't do it out of a need to perform or get recognition or accolades from other people that's that's not who we are that's not what drives us what motivates us is God himself as our treasure I'm going to invite Hannah to come up and she's going to sing uh, for us and I want you to reflect on these words that we sang earlier and that we will continue to sing as we move to being the kind of people that treasure God above all else and out of that comes our worship and our generosity. And then I'm going to come up and end with a benediction after this song.